Don't miss the Can-Am Holiday Volleyball Showcase, North America's premier men's volleyball event. Experience and enjoy world-class athletes, coaches, and competition in Toronto this holiday season, December 28th to 31st at the Toronto Pan-Am Sports Centre. Get your tickets while they last at www.cahvs.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. In the spirit of getting ready for the Can-Am Holiday Classic coming up, we, we've got another NCAA coach here to join the show. So our guest today has coached with USA Volleyball at FISU Games, the VNL, and with the Junior National Team. He's currently in his 16th season with Lewis, where they've uh, earned seven tournament appearances. And if there's time, we'll uh, find a way to talk about the AVP and his involvement in the beach. But please welcome to the show, Dan Friend. Dan, thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited and excited to get up and uh, participate in this uh, Can-Am Challenge and uh, uh, be on this show. So. Yeah, that's kind of our big question. So with youth sports uh, here in Canada, we start our season in September, uh, where you guys are kind of viewing this as, as more of a preseason opportunity, right? So when did you get your guys in the gym and when did you start training? And have you had any exhibition matches or is Canada going to be your first chance to compete? No, we actually, so school here starts, uh, you know, right the week before uh, Labor Day here, and then we actually start what we call our eight-hour weeks right after Labor Day, where we're, you know, we're working out and lifting and then uh, doing about four hours of volleyball contacts you know, with the guys. Um, and then about mid-October, we get into what we call our 20-hour weeks, where we uh, then are doing about two or three hours of volleyball stuff a day, about five or six days a week, and we do that for about six weeks. So we got some training in, and... And then we had a couple uh, fall play dates, one where we um, had a home tournament where we played a couple league schools, and then another one where we went to uh, Ohio State and played them in state. Um, we were able to get a couple fall competition bin and, uh, and then kind of shut everything down like the week before Thanksgiving. Guys had finals and uh, last week and everything. So we didn't get a lot of contact, about three, three and a half weeks. And then we'll come back to 26 and get a practice in, jump on a plane, and uh, get after it uh, up in Canada. Nice. And, and how many guys are you bringing? Because uh, having three matches kind of back-to-back makes it a little intense. But uh, are you guys looking to play your ones a lot? Or are you trying to get everybody in and see different lineups? Or, or what's your plan for, for the tournament? Well, yeah, I think well, so we've got uh, 16 guys we're bringing. Uh, really kind of our front main squad of guys. Do you know what I mean? So we do have uh, two guys we're leaving back. But uh, the idea is to... So we've got some positions figured out for sure. So we know those guys. We got a couple other positions we're still kind of leaning on and trying to figure out. So there'll be a little bit of that going on in terms of just uh, you know giving some guys reps. But certainly want to get our main core group ready to go. So I think you'll see a lot of them at least two out of the three matches or a, a good portion of play that way because we open up that following weekend at home against uh, BYU and. Uh, King, and so it'll be our, our first two NCA matches right when we get back. Basically, we get back the first and then we play i think that's wednesday and then we play friday and saturday nice nice and uh talking to a few coaches do you think the ball is going to have any influence because i believe we're using the Mikasa and you guys are used to the molten right which might involve a little bit more spin serving and just a, a little bit more tactical change i guess yeah it, i mean it'll affect a little bit but we try to tell the guys it is what it is i mean ultimately uh, I think that ball floats more, uh, for sure. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we'll have to be able to handle that a little bit better. I think that it's the third service receive stuff that'll be big. I don't know that uh, a couple of our better spinners spin that ball as well as we do the NCA ball that we play with. You know what I mean? In terms of that. So, um, so we just need to understand that that's a factor going in. We're trying to get a few. I mean, I think they're using even a brand new ball at the tournament, but similar to the one that. Uh, the Canadian league uses, but uh, 
I think for us, um, you know, we're just going to, you know, really just try to maximize our techniques and not lean on an excuse. You know what I mean? I think it's about getting those reps and playing. And the opportunity to play with what I think is uh, some of the best teams uh, up there in terms of competing. Nice. And have you guys had any experience either coming to Canada or some Canadian teams come down to you guys to play in some, some winter exhibition stuff? Oh, yeah. So, like, the, I mean, we've done – back when I first started, we used to do the, uh, the original Can-Am Challenge with Alberta. Uh, and we went up and played that a couple times. We played the Dino Cup, and this was back when they had all those tournaments going on. Uh, typically, kind of in uh, late October, uh, early November. Uh, those were, I think, awesome experiences for the guys and competition-wise, you know, both for our schools and the Canadian schools. And it was unfortunate that went a different direction because of some rules here on the NCA-wise. And so, but uh, we we've been fortunate enough. We went to Alberta a couple years ago with. Uh, uh, Terry Danlick, those guys invited it up, and it was a really good experience over the New Year's. And uh, we've done some matches against Windsor, uh, where they've come here, and uh, a couple other things. And so we've been able to keep a little bit going. So I think um, uh, when this came up as an opportunity, I kind of jumped at it. You know, I think not too far of a trip for us, and an opportunity to really get some high-level volleyball in early in the season. Now, is there anything that stands out from a from a style perspective, or is it pretty similar? Because as a Canadian fan, we kind of pride ourselves that men's volleyball, we're, we're competitive with the NCAA, which you might not be able to argue in other sports, but I'd say men's volleyball, we're, we're kind of bang-bang with you guys in, in the head-to-head battles, I think. I would, I would totally agree with you. I think the, certainly the, the upper-level top five team from both prospective countries have uh, had some great matches over the years, are really competitive and you think of McMaster's in Ohio State when Ohio State's winning the national championship and uh, Long Beach in Alberta, and I've seen some of those matches. And uh, I think for sure uh, there's definitely going to be some great volleyball opportunities uh, that weekend or week. So getting into your program a little bit more specifically, um, it, it just seems what we're hearing through different coaches and different players, if you wanted a better-than-average chance to win an NCAA title basically 10 to 15 years ago, you had to go out west, where now it looks like the whole country is competitive and with Lewis and Ohio State and yourself making it competitive. Uh, what's kind of helped spread out the talent in the U.S. and made every every conference competitive? That's a good question. I think, uh, I think growth has helped a little bit. I think you've seen some added teams across the country uh, which ultimately has created more youth involvement uh, in terms of playing. And I think, uh, uh, I think Chicago, lucky for us, is probably the second highest population of boys playing outside of Southern California. Uh, and so that puts it right in our backyard in terms of us and Loyola having a lot of success, um, as well as Ohio State. Um, you know, and then I think uh, out east, uh, you've seen some growth with boys off the Carolinas and things like that. So I just think growth in general has really helped kind of the, the sport become even better. Uh, I think it's the highest-rated growth-born sport in the past 10 years for boys, do you know what I mean, which is awesome. Uh, and so anything like that's kind of helped promote that a little bit. And You know, I think the other byproduct of that is I think you had a couple teams here in the Midwest to, uh, you know, really challenge that, you know, success of the West Coast. And, uh, uh, you know, Ohio State won a couple, and Loyola won a couple, and we were in there hunting away for it as well at the same time. And uh, I think kind of helped the growth at the same time with those programs having some success and continue to improve our recruiting efforts and things like that from that standpoint. So. 
Yeah, and how has this influenced recruiting? Because just being an outsider looking up and down your roster, you guys have, have been able to attract some athletes from the West Coast, uh, even some internationals on your team, right? So is that coming from the success, or is that just coming that they know that there, there's some depth on the East and they're going to get not only a good education but good level of ball every weekend? You know, uh, ultimately, it's a good question because Lewis is still Lewis. <laughs> and what I mean by that is every couple of years, I still have to explain to people who Lewis is. You know what I mean? So we, I wouldn't say that... Because outside of volleyball, I'm not sure we quite have the same recognition as maybe an Ohio State does, you know, or a UCLA or uh, uh, maybe even a Long Beach. Um, and so in the world of volleyball, we've got a pretty good game, which has been great because it's successful as a program over the past 25 years. So um, so when it comes to that terms, but um, I, I think our success has helped with continuing to do that. But I'm always pretty big on kind of branching out to different areas and finding different guys, you know, and, uh, and I think once we get them on campus and they kind of see the culture of our team and our successes and that kind of sells itself and the guys do a really nice job of selling the program. And, uh, you know, I think they're having a staff who've been, uh, pretty consistent over the years has helped too. I mean, Brian who's my assistant has played here and volunteered here and now has been a coach here. And even before that, when Matt was here, he was here for 10 years. And so all that stuff or different layers and which has kind of helped us continue to be successful from that standpoint. So, uh, we're a little different just in terms of brand name, I think, a little bit. But um, uh, I think we just keep kind of grinding away. We try to find guys maybe that are a little under the radar, and we kind of pride ourselves on training and uh, training guys that what we feel is a, uh, is a highly competitive way and, you know, go out and do what we can do. Now, for fans who haven't been able to see you play because you're coming to the Toronto area, uh, what can they expect from you guys? Are you a team that likes to go after it from the service line? Are you, do you pride yourself on your block defense? Is it your ability to side out? Like, is there anything that uh, a fan could spot and say, man, Lewis is rolling today because they're doing, you know, these things well? I'd like to think over the years we, we were pretty formidable at the net, you know what I mean, from a physicality standpoint. Um, I think last year we had a good scoring year. I think you know this. I think – each few years, you're kind of dependent on the, the pieces of the puzzle, do you know what I mean? You can kind of lean on certain things a little bit more than other things, um, you know, and I think we've got a, a physically big group right now that uh, in some scenarios can certainly help the first ball side out stuff uh, and then make us kind of formidable at the net in terms of our blocking and um, and then create some points going on experience. And so I think as we go right now with this group, I think I think we'll still be pretty formidable at the net from a size factor, and I think uh, that'll help creating some opportunities both side out and point scoring. Now, is your involvement with USA Volleyball kind of influenced the program at all? Like, it looks, just looking up and down your bio, you've had the opportunity to go to FISUS and VNL and work with the junior national team. Is there anything that you've learned from the international game that you brought back to your own squad? Uh, for sure. I think that's probably my biggest learning uh, avenue. I think... Uh, been really fortunate. USA has let me be involved in I mean, several different levels, whether it was youth assistant and head, junior assistant and head, Fichu, the VNL this last year. I think uh, always trying to kind of pick up things and having conversations. I remember my first conversation with John Barrett in Toronto. I mean, it was great. We, we were sitting out having coffee uh, in El Salvador, you know what I mean? And so, and just those types of interactions with coaches and as well as seeing. You know, world you know world games. When you go to youth or a junior, you just see these different play, teams playing with different styles, and you kind of watch and learn. And so, whether it's interactions or conversations, or you know, just watching and learning, seeing how teams kind of do things. And I think it's a great avenue uh, uh, to really make your coaching even better. Uh, and so, and I, I've really enjoyed that, and try to keep myself involved as much as I can. 
with that, and we'll continue to do that as we go down. Now, volleyball coaches, we tend to be copycats a little bit where we see something and we think, wow, that's awesome. I'm going to bring it back to my team now. Is there anything that you've seen internationally that you tried to bring back that just after a few weeks of trying, you just didn't think it was going to work for your squad? No, um, that's a good one. Uh, well, anytime I watch the Asian teams and they do all the movement, uh, I always try a little bit, and I just don't think it works as well for us. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that. So, uh, because I think it looks cool, but uh, at the same time, I think it's not. I think you got there's certain things that I've learned where, you know, I, I was thinking of like uh, Iran and how fast they went tempo wise. And there's some NCAA teams that do that pretty well as well, but. Uh, and their setter uh, for them, he's, he's really good and does some really neat things. But I also think that his feet are really fast. He gets the ball really well. He locates pretty well. Uh, you've got to have the pieces sometimes with your players when you're doing some of that stuff. No matter whether you know it's another country you're kind of stealing some things or another program anywhere, I think your pieces kind of have to fit what training. Like if you're trying to go fast and you don't have a guy that has the feet and the arm, uh, I think that's difficult. Like, you know, we got a pretty physical outside and we have found a good speed for him. If we go too fast with him, uh, he's not as good, I think. You know what I mean? He's just not as confident. And so I think there's a there's a give and take with that. You know, you get these ideas and some of the things work really well, but understand at the same time what are what, what are the best things for my current group of guys that helps them be successful at that time. Now, is there anything you could think of off the top of your head that uh, has worked really well? Like one thing that uh, Andrea Becker and John Sparrow have been very public with and talked about on other shows is just a serving strategy, right? Like if I go back and miss my serve, that doesn't mean if you're the next guy up, you can't go hit your best serve, right? So kind of a, a philosophy that we're not going to worry about miss serves, which I, I think is a great idea and works at certain age groups, but I'm not sure you could tell a 14s team that uh, we're not going to worry about miss serves and just go hit your best serve all the time, right? Yeah, I think we kind of have a similar philosophy in terms of like, hey, you're going to go do what you need to do and not worry about what just happened before you. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that. And so in that training mechanism mentality-wise of understanding that you control what you control. Um, you know, our, our perspective, Ohio State a couple of years ago, they just went back and ripped and didn't care and went after it. And it really, it won them a national championship. And they had two or three guys that had the arms to do it. I think our philosophy, a little bit like last year, like can we point score but keep our air percentage down at the same time. So we had a setter who was a Neva uh, player of the year, uh, and his I think his point scoring was close to fifty percent. His error ratio was below ten percent, and you know his aces per game were leading the country almost most of the year, if not tied with Micah. You know what I mean, Maha from UCLA, and uh, and it was talked about that was the thing. It's like he was producing points as a point scoring as well as aces, but at the same time keeping his error ratio down, and that's the perfect storm for me. It's like. Can you do that stuff and keep your error ratio down so you're creating opportunities because of the lineup in front of you for pretty formidable block and you know, create some opportunities well at the same time? But I like to try to find a balance with my guys. Uh, and we talk about that. And that's what we're looking at. It's like, okay, hey, I'm a, I'm a float server, but that doesn't mean we can't point score great in your row. You may not create as many aces, but you can certainly create a lot of havoc and create opportunities where, where guys are in one-pass scenarios and you know we're triple blocking and putting a lot of hands up in front of them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So with your program, like you said, maybe doesn't have the same stroke as maybe a UCLA or Ohio state as far as like fan recognition, but you have earned seven tournament uh, appearances. So what does it take for you guys to get to the tournament? And what do you try to explain to like the rookies and get them up to speed with the vets that, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit different than regular season, but it's still like an attainable goal every year. Well, I think every, every kid we recruit and every guy who plays here, the goal every year is to win our conference. Uh, 
regular season to put ourselves in a position postseason-wise to host as much as we can uh, so that we can make the NCAA tournament. And it doesn't change whether we're young, whether we're old, or any of that stuff. And that's the goal every single year, year and it's kind of ingrained in our guys' head. You know what I mean? And so, and, uh, you know, ultimately understanding too that just because you wear the jersey doesn't mean you automatically step on the field to win. You know, it's like, you know, there's been a lot of great players that have played in front of you, and there's been a lot of success, uh, but you got to go out and earn it. And so it's like, you know, it's an honor to kind of put the jersey on and wear it, and then when you step out there, you got to go out and earn yours. And so I didn't do it as a collective group, and it's hard. You know what I mean? We, we were fortunate enough, I think, you know, in 12, 14, and 15, we make the tournament three out of four years, or three out of four years there, and once we're runner-up, you know, and then we go on a kind of a four-year hiatus, even though our league wins it. You know what I mean? National championship. You know, we lose Ohio State and Florida a couple times. You know, and those guys go out and win it. But that's just how tough it can be. You know what I mean? It's understanding. It's kind of like, hey, uh, our schedule earlier in the season can set us up to, you know, possibly be in an at-large position, but you got to win those games. And then if you don't win those games, you got to take care of league because then it gives you the opportunity to host because that's how you got to get to the tournament. So it's really explaining to them how each match. Uh, is important, you know what I mean? And we treat each match the same, whether it's a high-level ranked team or low-level ranked teams. We prepare for everybody the same. and uh, So that way the mindset's always the same in terms of that. So what advice would you give to some of our, our listeners who are coaches where it sounds like you found a good balance for you have an outcome goal that you're going to focus on, but you still have a process that you kind of bring to practice every day. Like, how do you manage that? Because it seems to be the buzzword right now that if you have a process, you know, the results take care of themselves. But you guys are so hard afraid to stand up and say, you know what, we're, we need to win our conference to give ourselves the best shot. Yeah, I, well, I, ultimately, I think we, we do a lot of, we break things down throughout the year. You know, maybe we talk about, you know, you know, in terms of it being a little bit more of a marathon, it's certainly not a sprint. And the stuff that we're doing in the fall, whether it be the weights or the individual touches or the team breakdown stuff, is, is setting up the next phase. Do you know what I mean? We get in the preseason, and even the stuff that you're doing now over Christmas break, you know, are you finding a way to get in your club gym and touch a ball or lift a little bit? You know, ultimately, you know, eat the best you can. And so, you know, I think it's all a process in terms of educating them about the steps to where we want to get uh, to be successful. And then understand at the same time, you might get knocked down once or twice, and you got to get back up. And, you know, hey, we're going to do some training to kind of individually make certain areas better. But you not, might not see the re- rewards in January, but all of a sudden in March and April, if you're continuing to kind of work on it, and that point that matters when we get to the end of the postseason, where it's like, you know, I haven't quite had the success I want, but all of a sudden, conference tournament comes, and you do, and all of a sudden we're winning that game because two or three guys have bought into that team. It's, it's, it's really educating them on that. You know, there's all these different layers in it, and not just saying, hey, we're going to give you this, and you have to do this, but I think it's really, it's like understanding why we're doing what we're doing. You know, and there's a, a, an IQ piece with that, not only on the court, but off the court as well, and the guys that buy in, and certainly when you get your collective group to buy into all that, you really do see the team uh, having an, uh, a higher level of success. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. De- definitely a big takeaway there. Um, starting to take away a, a lot of your time here, but before we go, I did want to bring this up because it did stand out in your pro- profile. Uh, you're a big beach guy, and it looks like you've been around the AVP and a part of, of a lot of uh, great results. Uh, what's the beach scene like in, in the Chicago area right now, and how, are, how involved are you still with uh, the beach game? Well, I was fortunate enough, that's kind of how I started playing. I was a kid that grew up in Kansas, and uh, 
brother was a lifeguard, and I got around some guys who uh, kind of taught me, like, when I was 14. I didn't touch an indoor ball until I was about 17 or 18, and so and, uh, it's always been kind of a passion of mine, and, you know, actively in the summer, still playing three or four days a week just to stay in shape, and certainly don't play as many tournaments, but try to find a couple Masters tournaments here and there, and so, uh, but the, with the ADP stuff and the other beach stuff, I think... The ultimate plan is as high as I could for as long as I could in terms of competitive. And then uh, over the last few years, through some relationships, I've had the opportunity uh, and been asked to kind of coach some teams, you know, uh, as the AVP kind of resurged a little bit and uh, was really uh, really fortunate with that and got to work with those teams on the sideline. There was, a, you know, Sheila Shaw and Catherine Babcock or Catherine Peening and uh, Brian and Tim Baumgren were playing and, you know, Brian reached out to me, and I got to work with him and Tim, and then a couple other events with Tim at the same time. Even got to work with Kane, uh, which was really great in Chicago, him being a Canada guy, and uh, those guys had a good result. And so it's just, I think I kind of do it on the side. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's I, I don't know that I would do it uh, as, per se, my job the whole time. I think it's still more my hobby, and I love doing it and being around it and playing and, you know, doing a little bit of the coaching here and there is a, uh, just kind of a part-time album option in terms of being around it continuously and it's neat to see the ADP kind of research for the past five or six years and uh, continue to kind of gain some momentum and growth which is really good and I think the Chicago area itself I think uh, uh, has always had a great volleyball network area whether it be indoor or outdoor uh, there's I mean if you go down on the lakefront downtown Chicago there's two to three hundred courts all along North Ave and even though that beach is kind of disappearing a little bit with the lake raising a little bit but uh, it's still been pretty neat in terms of uh, the culture and the, the whole community of volleyball in the Chicagoland area. Very cool. So would you be encouraging your athletes to try to play beach in their off season, or is it just such a high level right now that you need to focus on indoor almost year-round to play in the NCAA? No, no. I'm a big uh, proponent in trying to, whether it's grass or beach or whatever, I think in the summer, you know, we give the guys kind of some workout program stuff and things like that. Um, to kind of you know take the next step physically but we really encourage them to, to coach which i think is really important as a player because you really see it from the other side we encourage them to play outdoor and beat because then uh it's it ultimately you know uh, stressing some other skill sets especially if you don't use them all the time and so i think all those things just kind of help them become better and i think oh, there's also an adequate downtime which is tough sometimes for you if you got a guy that's in the national team gene, but really finding some downtime so you can kind of relax and recharge, and that's an important part of the phase as well. Nice, and, and just getting back to the Can-Am event, it looks like you're going to do a presentation on offense and defensive systems uh, from as young as 12U all the way to collegiate, and you're going to share that with uh, Matt Harris from Ryerson. Can you give us just a, a teaser of what you're going to cover for our coaches? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, I think mean. uh Coach, we're going to try to touch base on just some of the important pieces in terms of, like, you know, maybe with us, maybe kind of what we're looking to do to block defense and, you know, our strategy with our service to kind of, you know, maybe put teams off balance a little bit sometimes and maybe from the side outside on the offense side is just kind of what works for us and uh, on that side as well. And if some, you know, coaches can take away from that and use maybe small bits or pieces of that, hopefully that helps them improve a little bit. Awesome. Uh, so once again, that's the Can-Am Holiday Volleyball Showcase. That's in Toronto from December 28th to December 31st. Uh, you and a bunch of other NCAA teams are coming to play what seems to be the best teams in U sports. So should be a great week of volleyball, and hope everybody can check it out and cheer you guys on. Well, thanks, Josh. I really appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, that was great. Thanks for taking the time.